Well, hi, everybody. If we haven't met yet, my name's John. I happen to be one of the pastors here at Whitewater, and I am so privileged to be back on this platform to be able to share a word from, my goodness, the Gospel of Matthew. When you're looking at Jesus' words in chapter 6, I've been away for a couple of weeks. I had a vacation. Can I just say thank you? Thank you. Thank you for the, you're welcome. Yes. Uh, Bill is coming in the mail to you, by the way. Whoever said you're welcome. Thank you that I am able to be in a place that says we care about you and you should have rest. Take a vacation with your family. Thank you that I get to rest. We're going to lean in today to this word of rest and the words of peace as we navigate our way forward in our teaching series for today. If you weren't here last week, man, I just want to say you should be here every week. Let me just say that. Not because David or I need you to be here. Trust me, we don't. Um, you should want to be here every week to fill back up, to like celebrate all that God is doing in your life, to get around other believers and go, praise God, I made it to another Sunday because I wasn't sure on Saturday night, okay? Some of you, there's an amen right there for you, okay? <laughs> Last week, Alan Cruz delivered just a, a powerful message, right? Those of you that are here, my goodness. Excellent job, Alan, wherever you are. He is, like I said last week, he does a lot of different things. I don't even know where he is in the building this morning. But he delivered such a powerful message. Um, now, listen, last week I, I wanted to share a picture with you, all right? So here's this picture I was trying to find. There it was. <laughs> Two years ago, these knuckleheads were brought down to Stricker's Grove we, we were invited down. We, we didn't have any connection to Whitewater other than Jess Adkins was like, hey, we're trying to find some singers, you know, so our staff doesn't have to do it. Will you come in and sing for us? I said, sure, okay, that's cool. So we came in and we sang. Now at the time, in time, we're going to do a little time travel today. At the time, Alan and I were working different jobs up in Canton, Ohio. Both of us. We're struggling with where we were in life. Does anybody have questions about what you're doing in life right now? Just one. Thank you. I'm glad you came. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> Alan and I were struggling with where we were in life, and I remember having this, uh, this conversation with Alan. Um, we were hanging drywall in my living room doing this restoration project in our house, and, and Alan and I are having this very serious conversation, which was a little uncharacteristic because normally we talked about all things comic books, Marvel characters, and Star Wars, which let me be clear, th those are very serious topics, okay? Those are very serious topics. Thank you, right? But this day of all days, do you remember this? We're sitting there, right? And we're having this heart-to-heart -heart talking about how we were just struggling. Talking about how both of us, were, just to be candid, we're continuing, like we're going to be real honest in front of you guys during this series. Not that we're not always, but I think we're going to a different level here to maybe encourage you to go there too. We were miserable. Miserable. 
We were so sick and tired of just feeling the daily tension of of not knowing what we were supposed to be doing. Like we didn't know exactly what we were supposed to be doing. We just knew what we were doing was not it. We were living in that tension of the now and the not yet. And that tension can be debilitating. We were living in a tension where it just felt unfulfilling. We knew somewhere deep down inside of us that there had to be more. Say, there's got to be more. Yeah, for those of you who are actually are living it right now, say from the bowels of you, there's got to be more. Yeah. There's got to be more than what we're dealing with every single day right now, right? There's got to be more. And so Alan and I were having this serious conversation and we're knowing that there's got to be more that God has for us, but we're not really seeing it yet. And we're living in the now and the not yet and, and living in that tension. And we stumbled upon this like conversation of just being really transparent with another believer saying like, man, I'm really stressed. I'm not doing well. I, I, I got worry and anxiety, and it's starting to overwhelm me. Things seem to be out of control, and and it's one of the things we're going to wrestle with today of understanding this. Our mental health is tied directly to our ability or inability to what is in our control. See, two years ago, We had no idea what God was up to. No idea. Two years ago, we both had these worries and fears and frustrations, not knowing what what, what our future was, right? And maybe some of you are in that place right now where you're just like, I just got these frustrations and fears and and things are just spiraling in my mind. I don't know what's ahead. Listen, just because it's out of control, it doesn't mean that he's not in control, okay? Just because you, you don't see him working, just because you don't feel him working doesn't mean that he's not working. Just because it seems like things are out of control, he is in control. Amen? Amen. Our peace, our shalom, our ability to say it is well, regardless of the situation that we may be walking in, it is tied to knowing I'm not in control. Do I have any control freaks out there? (laughs) My son put both hands up. Is anybody married to a control freak? It's okay, I offer, uh, I offer counseling, it's okay. And by offer, I mean like the email comes to me and I send it to David, That's, and he kicks it back to me. <laughs> control, like a, for those of you who grew up in my generation, there's a Janet Jackson song right there, right? Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. Our peace of mind is connected to the reality of knowing that we're not in control. So, for the last 18 months, all of you control freaks out there, how you doing? I'm fine, thank you for asking. Like really, how are you doing? 
How's your mental health these last 18 months? How's the white knuckling working out for you? Can we just be like really honest? Like, like I, I, I know like the staff has already gotten like a little bit of the, John's been away for a couple weeks, oh boy, look out. <laughs> We're just gonna have a little come to Jesus moment, okay? Maybe you can relate with some of the things I'm identifying in my life. I am tired. Can we just start there? I'm tired. Not like I'm not getting enough sleep. I'm tired. I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm tired of of dancing and walking on eggshells depending on who I'm talking to and what the conversation is about. I'm tired of feeling like at any moment that I'm just going to crack. I'm I'm tired of, of just defaulting to just yelling at my kids. I'm tired of feeling alone. I'm tired of having the same voices run over and over in my mind telling me that it's not going to get any better, I'm not enough, and I don't have what it takes. Anyone relate? This is just me. Just me. I'm the only one who's, yeah, thank you, back row, hi, and uh, yeah. The rest of you, there's like, everybody's honest here, everybody's honest all the way in the back, but this middle section... I'm very concerned about you. So we're praying for you that you shall not be lying to yourself. Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Come come to me. To me, Jesus, I will give you rest. Come to me, Jesus, I will give you rest. Not another news cycle. It won't give you rest. It will not give you rest. Come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. Is anybody a a little more weary than normal lately? These last 18 months have been a lot harder than I think a lot of us want to admit. And I was going to say, like, if you're in a position of leadership, but the reality is, is every single one of us is in a position of leadership. All of us have people that that we have a sphere of influence. We're all leaders at different levels. And it's been very hard to navigate these last 18 months. And I don't know if we're all willing to admit how challenging it has been for us if we really allowed ourselves to just breathe from what the last 18 months have done. And here's the deal, and I, I'm, just, I'm just sharing some information, take it or leave it. I think that it's going to take a lot longer than any of us care to admit to actually recover from all of this. I actually believe that the amount of time 
it takes us to recover is actually equal or greater to the amount of time it took us to actually get into and then get through all of this. It's going to be a while. So let's bring this really close to home, okay? Let's, let's, let's bring this really close because all of us have been going through a lot lately. And anxiety is going through the roof and depression is going through their basement. These two things are higher and deeper than, than, than ever before. And, and whitewater. Those of you who, who, who are part of our whitewater community online, on TV, and in this room on campus, let's, let's just be candid. Each of you have been navigating through all things COVID, right? Each of you have been navigating politics. Each of you have been navigating racial unrest. Each of you have been navigating the succession of your senior pastor. And now on top of all of that, each of you have been navigating all of your own junk. And we all have junk in our trunk. Let's be really clear about that, right? Okay. Alan did the whole raise your hand, you know, who's, who's not, who doesn't have it all together? Like we've all got junk. So we've all had the stuff navigating on top of us, right? And it's been a lot, right? Like mask, no mask, vax, no vax. I like this new guy, John. I'm not too sure about this new guy, John. I'm happy David is moving on. I'm angry that David is moving on. I like skinny jeans. Why in the world would you ever wear skinny jeans? All lives matter, black lives matter, blue lives matter, purple lives matter. We live in a red house in a red state. We live in a blue house in a blue state. Can we all just agree that we're all a mess and we all need jeans? Jesus? I mean, come on. Can we all just agree that Jesus died on the cross for all of us? Every single one of us, that his love is for every single one of us. Can we all just agree that he and he alone is on the throne and we are not? That we're all called to go and love God and love people with everything we have. Can we just take a timeout <laughs> and breathe. Because if we don't take a timeout to take back our minds, to take back our peace, to take a timeout, we're not going to get one. We're not going to get one. If 18 months has taught us anything, the world is full of crazy right now, and it is not slowing down to check on little you and little me to say, are you doing okay? Do you need a little break? No. So we've got to arrest the time and say, whoa, time out. Am I going to Jesus for my weary soul to get rest? To abide in him. We need to slow down and get quiet with Jesus. Get away with him. Be quiet. Like seriously. <laughs> I used to uh, be on... Um, uh, let's see. I used to be on Snapchat. I used to be on Instagram. 
I used to be on Twitter. I don't know if anybody still tweets these days. Um, I, don't, I used to be on TikTok for 10 seconds, and then I got off where I realized how old I was. And, <laughs> and, I'm, and, then, and then I'm on Facebook, and, and I got rid of all of them except for one now. And, 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 and But when I was on all of them, man, I, I just was like, I, I just put stuff out there, you know, my opinions, because I thought the world needed my opinion. <laughs> Listen, um, can, you, can we all just realize right now um, that the world doesn't need your opinion right now. It needs Jesus. Okay? Okay, so like, like seriously, whatever platform you may or may not be on, listen, um, if you're not posting a cute pic of your little new puppy or a picture of, of you and your, and your new bride and your family, or if what you're posting is not pointing people to Jesus, stop posting and be quiet. Jesus is on the throne and he is in control. We are not. Even when we can't see it, even when we don't feel it, he is still working. Amen? In Matthew 6, 25, Jesus, he speaks right into the heart of all of our crazy. He says, Friends, um, this is why I tell you not to worry. Worry about what, Jesus? Everything. About everyday life. You know, and then he breaks it down in the simplicity of it, of whether you have enough food to drink or whether you have you know, food and drink and enough clothes to wear. Isn't life, boy, isn't life more than food? Isn't your body more than clothing? Uh, look at the birds, Jesus says. He, he says, look at those little guys, you know, running around. And Luke, he calls them ravens. But we'll just call them little birds. Look at the birds. Those birds, they don't plant. They don't harvest. They don't store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you? And just so you know, this is the, the, the answer is yes, if you were wondering. Aren't you more valuable to him than those birds? Each one of these little paragraphs in your Bible, he like levels us with a bottom line statement. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? He continues on. He says, and why worry about your clothing? Right? My goodness. Listen, it was fall. That means flannel weather. Okay. It hit fall. It was like, praise God, it is now the time of God's people. Flannel, all things flannel, vests. And, 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 and for ladies, like all of you should praise Han Solo for your outfits that you wear from now till January are Han Solo from Empire Strikes Back. Light colored top, dark colored vest, jeans, and high boots. Look it up. You're welcome. Why worry about your clothing? How many of you agonize looking at like, what am I going to wear today? I don't know. Should I wear a flannel or should I wear jeans? Should I wear Why worry about what you are going to wear? Looking, he says, look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. The flowers, right? 
And, and, and they don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, he was one of the greatest kings ever, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as those flowers. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Here's the next one. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, he says. You know, what will we eat? What will we drink? How many of you get into fights just worrying about what we're going to have for dinner tonight? Here he goes again. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. There's a repentance in my heart when I read this that I have to repent of being of so little faith because I let these things dominate my thoughts sometimes. Maybe I'm alone. He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs, so seek the kingdom of God above all else, above all those other things. Live righteously, live right with God and in his eyes, and he will give you everything you need. Summation point, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own troubles, its own worries, its own noise. Today's troubles will be enough for today. <laughs> King Jesus, the word of the Lord. And then in the book of Philippians, there's like this other powerhouse hero of the Bible. His name's Paul. And Paul, he wrote almost all of the New Testament, and he digs into this thing. And he's much more succinct than Jesus, kind of like David and I, I'm verbose, I go on and on and on and on and on, amen. David is much more succinct. And Alan was even more succinct. He like got you out of here in like 25 minutes. It was amazing. <laughs> Paul says it like this, Philippians 4, 6. He says, don't worry about anything. <laughs> Instead, pray about everything. Tell God all that you need and thank him for all he has done. Do you know that he has done enough? If he came back right now, this moment, he's done enough. So thank him for what he has already done. Then, oh boy, if, look for those moments, if this, then, then you will experience God's peace. Oh, Paul's also a dude, right? Because he, gets, he goes directly to solution mode, all right? <laughs> uh, guys, can we just have a little uh, a moment here? My gift to you. Um, sometimes your task and your role position is just to listen, not give solutions. You're welcome, ladies. Me to you. Um, when the conversation starts, one of the greatest gifts 
that someone gave Kelly and I was this. When the conversation starts, simply ask this question, fellas. Do you want a shoulder or a solution? Now it sets the conversation up, right? All she has to do, I need a shoulder, cool. And if you offer a solution when she asks for a shoulder, shame on you, get outside. <laughs> you are sleeping in the garage. But Paul, he, you know, he, he goes straight to solution mode with thank goodness he did so we don't have to. <laughs> hey, imagine that. He says, look, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace. I just want peace. I just want peace. Oh, okay. Stop worrying. Pray about everything. Tell God all that you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. So many t counseling sessions I've had where I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, and they dump the truck. And I'm like, listen, have, have you prayed about this? Have you thanked God for everything? You're, like, have you thanked God? Well, no. Be and then they go back to the, well, have you? No. And oh, oh, okay. Well, this really smart guy named Paul, he said, then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. There it is, the Son of God, the Apostle Paul, two of the greatest voices the world has ever known, saying, don't worry, done, sermon, over, right? You wish. <laughs> because if it was that easy... Lexapro wouldn't be having a banner year. I, I know my drugs, okay, because I used to be on those drugs. I have no shame in my game, people. And, and I mean like the actually prescribed for my health benefits drugs. I know the other kind too, but. <laughs> banner year for antidepressants. If it was just that easy. Oh, don't worry. Oh, okay. I won't worry. So we need to lean into Paul a little bit. We need to lean in to go, okay, get on the solution side of this so we can have a little more peace for today. For today, right? Because anytime you get beyond today, you're out of bounds. Unless you happen to be a, a seer, a prognosticator of prognosticators. And if you are, please let's talk. I have some investment opportunities. But for the rest of us, one day at a time for today, I need to put some of Paul's teachings into practice. So first, we have to acknowledge, like, I'm not saying don't worry like, like it's that simple. Notice the difference between worry and genuine concern. Huge differences, okay? Worry, and here's how you can separate those. Is this a worry or concern? Worry immobilizes. Concern compels us to action. Worry immobilizes. Concern compels us to action. So how do we turn our worry down and turn the peace up? Paul said it. Listen, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Well, what should I pray about? Everything. What are you going, well, I'm going through this thing right now. Have you prayed about it? No. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Pray never ceasing. 
what would it be like? Here's a little thing, because you already know what worry feels like. What would it feel like that you prayed so much you didn't have time to worry? What if you actually did that and then step, took back a step and said, is that working better than my worrying nonstop? Try it. And if it doesn't work, we'll, we'll refund all of your misery, okay? <laughs> Try it. Pray about everything. Our last series, it was so beautifully laid out that these two were, were a nice marriage. Pray, it is our lifeline. It is our power cord to the almighty. Pray, it, it, it isn't our last resort. Well, I guess all that's left for us to do is to pray. It's the first thing you should have done. Pray first, second, third, last, all of it. And in between, prayer is our connection to the divine creator of the universe. Pray. And I think maybe... Maybe, maybe we don't pray as often as, as, as we, we should or we might um, because we think maybe it doesn't work. Like it's just something for the really, really, really spiritual people. Listen, and I, and I think that we just have to remember that prayer works. <laughs> um, and, and here, I'm going to prove my point right now, Okay. There is a genealogy to our lives. All of us know this when it comes to like our families. We have a family tree, right? A family tree. We come from certain people, bloodlines, you know. Companies now make money from, oh, find out where you're from. I know where I came from. And all of you do too. From a woman at some point, okay? Just biology. But there is a genealogy to our spiritual lives. There's a genealogy to this. All of us have spiritual parents. All of us have spiritual grandparents. All of us have spiritual great-grandparents. People who were praying for us, about us, on our behalf, before any of us were even a little spark in our mama's eye. People were praying for us. And here's what I mean. Every single one of us in this room, every single one watching on TV and online, every single one of us is a living, breathing, walking example of answered prayer. Every single one of us. What do you mean, John? What were you doing 15 years ago? All of you, think about it. What were you doing 15 years ago? September 2006. What were you doing? Some of you weren't born yet. It's okay. I love you. September 2006. What were you doing? I was a guest of the state in one of our finest correctional facilities. And you can find out more about that story by coming back every week. <laughs> You're not getting any more. <laughs> This week. <laughs> what were you doing 15 years ago? We'll, we'll see, 15 years ago, here at Whitewater, a group of roughly 350 people, they broke ground on this property that all of us are sitting in right now. This property. Roughly around 350 people. And, and think about this. You know, there was 
350 people, and now with our online and TV platforms, you know, there's thousands upon thousands of people engaging in what God is doing through Whitewater. But in 2006, there was a group of 350 people who committed themselves to a mission and a vision to reach lost people, to invest their time, talent, and treasures into a future that they couldn't yet see. We are all standing on the shoulders of those who have come before us before they even knew us. They prayed for people that they didn't know. People that they never met. They prayed that one day that they might meet Jesus. They prayed that they might one day find a hope and a home in him. They prayed, Jesus, have your way with us. If you were a part of that 350 people back in 2006, could you just stand up, please? Thank you. We are not applauding you. You know this. You know this. We're not applauding you. We're applauding your obedience to allow God to work through you. My goodness. Now watch how this plays out. Okay? Most of you looked around and you go, I don't know them. (laughs) Didn't matter. They didn't know you. But they were praying for you. Every single one of you, that you would find a place to connect to Jesus and connect to his local church to find your passion and purpose and way in life. They were praying for God to move, for lives to be transformed, for the lost to be found. They were crying out to God in September of 2006. Are you ready for this? Two months later, in November of 2006, I dedicated my life to Jesus. In 2006, God heard your prayers, and he began doing something and preparing something for your next senior pastor to be standing here 15 years later. All of us are living, breathing examples of prayer being played out, lived out, and worked out. Pray about everything. He's working even when you don't see it. Pray about everything. Second, to find peace, shalom, to really dig into the I can find peace even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of to find peace. Second thing, invite God's people into your life. Invite God's people into your life. And here's where it starts. Invite in a professional Christian counselor. Invite in a sold-out follower of Jesus. Listen, I have no shame to share my stuff. I intentionally talk to professional counselors. I intentionally invite in older, wiser followers of Jesus to speak into my heart and my mind. I intentionally go for walks in the woods with an elder on a regular basis, and this is when things are going good in my life. 
invite God's people into the real story of you so that they are already there and in place for when the real crap hits the fan. You've already got your people. Real people. Real people, flesh and bone people. Not strangers and trolls online who have an opinion about everything. Look to real people, not social media, to guide you. Real people. And I'm not going to win any brownie points here. I'm sorry for our social media team. Too many of us are looking to strangers on social media to solve our problems instead of looking to sold out Jesus followers. Too many people are, are, are looking to people that, that we don't live, breathe, and interact with on a real daily basis. Please, stop looking to social media platforms for your peace, for your identity. Specifically, I'm going in. Stop looking to Instagram for your peace of mind. Stop trying to live up to the Insta life. It's a facade. Stop comparing your real life to the over-filtered, perfectly posed Insta life of others. You're comparing yourself to a filtered facade. And comparison is the thief of joy. And you wonder why I, I, I don't have joy. Real talk. Some of you may have seen this. Instagram was not created for you to have a social network to engage with your friends. It's not why it was created. It was created so that with the intention for you to be addicted to their platform so their company could make money. It is a business. Don't believe me? Oh, man. Uh, I love this. Uh, internal documents got out. Uh, our youth team just shared this. I'm so proud of what our youth team is doing. Our youth team just shared this. Some internal documents got out, and the Wall Street Journal published them. These are internal documents from Facebook. Facebook, you know, is the parent of Instagram. It reveals that Facebook knows how damaging its Instagram app can be for teen girls. It knows it. And 40% of Instagram users are 22 or younger. 32% of teen girls say that when they feel bad about their bodies, Instagram makes them feel worse. And 6% of Instagram users who have experienced suicidal thoughts trace those thoughts back to the app. And Facebook is fully aware that the way Instagram currently functions creates an addictive product, one that could facilitate negative thought patterns. And even with knowing all of that, Facebook still plans to proceed with a version of its platform made specifically for users 13 and younger. It's outright 
neglect. So what are you going to do about it? You know, I'm just serving it up. What are you going to do about it? We've got to start having some very honest, real conversations about why we're on certain platforms. And if you're not on a platform, I'm so sorry that, you know, you're like, this has nothing to do with me. Yeah, it does, because it's killing the next generation. And if we don't care for the next generation, this church is dead. Parents, students, humans, please check in and start talking to those in your sphere of influence about their platforms and how they are really doing. And when you engage and they say, like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. They're lying. Ask again. Spend enough time with the next generation that's in your sphere of influence, spend enough time with them that they know you are for them. Spend enough time in their world, not yours, in their world that they know that you are for them, that they know that you won't condemn them or judge them. And ask them how they are really doing. Invite real people, people of God, into your real story. Invite God's people in. Last, Commit to a plan for today. Just for today. Commit to a plan for today. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 34, you know, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own troubles. Today's trouble is enough for today. Worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. Jesus said it, not me. It sounds harsh, but it's true. What else did he say? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? No, they cannot. Commit to a plan for today. A plan, those are great, but here's the deal with plans, right? Um, Going back to our friends who who are, their worry and their anxiety is through the roof and they suffer from control freakitis. Like, listen, um, yeah, it's for you. Um, Worry and anxiety, it stems from telling God your plans and then freaking out when it doesn't go your way. And a vicious cycle of that over and over and over again. Not committing your plans to the Lord first. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do. Commit your ideas, commit your schedule, commit your dreams, commit your hopes, commit everything to the Lord and then he will establish your plans. Give everything to the Lord first, then he will breathe wisdom and guidance, in, guidance into your plans. See, when, when we get this out of order, we will be out of order. Here's a simple plan that you can commit to the Lord should you choose to get you through one day at a time. I want you to say these with me out loud. You can write them down. You can take a picture as they come up. I want you to say these out loud. This is a simple daily plan that you can commit to. 
one at a time. Let's say these out loud. From pillow to pillow. Say it with me. Morning to night, I will trust God. I will meet life on life's terms. Next one. I will take responsibility for my life. I will choose love over fear. I will choose to be kind to myself and to others. I will steward well what little or much God has given me. I will look for ways to secretly bless others. I will admit that I am not in control. Every day, what if you committed a plan like that? I will commit these things to you, Jesus. Help me to, to live out these I will statements from pillow to pillow. At the heart of them, I am not in control. Here's the reality of control. It's the ABCs of control. These are the only things that you actually have control over, our actions, our behavior, and our choices. If you think you have control over anything that doesn't stem from one of those three, control freakitis. How's that working out for you? Our actions, our behavior, our choices. Everything else isn't ours, so let it go. <laughs> I don't know what your mama taught you. My mama taught me that when you start messing with things that aren't yours, you're going to be in a world of hurt. <laughs> it ain't yours. Don't touch it. <laughs> my prayer for, my goodness, Every single person of the sound of my voice, strangers that I do not know, people who will hear this months and years from now because of the gift of technology, my prayer has been, is, while my time away and continues to be, that you will know peace in the midst of chaos. That you will feel his presence. And know that he is working for you, not against you. I pray that all of us, that we will actually do, take responsibility today. And in a, in a moment, we're going we're gonna to do that. We're going to pray and we have one more song. And, and during that time, our prayer partners are going to come up, our prayer warriors, and they're just going to be up here for anybody that actually wants to come forward and just say, I'm a mess. <laughs> I'll give you your lead-in lines. I'm a mess. I need prayer. 
I think I control more than I do. I just want peace. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to break the cycle and do something different that's out of your comfort zone. And that starts with prayer. So, my prayer is that each of you will take a time out. That you will run to the Father and you will sit with Him and allow Him to transform your worry before it transforms you. That each of us will pray about everything. That we will invite God's people in. And that we will create a plan for today. Father, I give you this moment. I ask that your spirit just permeates among us. That you are welling up in us fears, worries, concerns. That we will finally have the strength to give them over to you. Help us release control to you and you alone. I ask that your spirit move boldly in this moment and in the days to come. Father, right now, I just come to you on behalf of my brothers and sisters, and I simply leave with (laughs) the, the simple prayer that you helped me and so many others get through one day at a time. Will you just grant us the serenity to accept the things that we cannot change. Will you give us the courage to change the things we can? And will you give us the wisdom to know the difference? And all God's people said, Amen.